Well, good morning, Genesis House. Why don't we stand and read uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Peter writes, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Let's pray. Lord, we are always amazed at how sometimes just one verse in Scripture can give us a lifetime of, lifetime of instruction. I pray, God, that as uh, we as husbands hear this message today, that we take your word seriously and we seek to change in a way that would honor you. And for those young men who are growing up, and we know we have a lot of them in here, Lord, uh, more boys and girls in our church, we pray, Lord, that this would be uh, a message that as the young teenagers listen to this, they will embrace us moving into marriage. And for those little guys growing up, that we as parents would do our job to raise them and understand your way for how we're to operate that makes you proud. So we just pray, God, for a time of uh, learning, a time of conviction, a time of strengthening, a time of encouragement, some, maybe, maybe some laughter along the way, but ultimately, Lord, that we uh, embrace this truth and live it out in our lives. We look forward to our time together. In Christ's name, amen. Well, welcome back to our sermon series in the letter of 1 Peter. It's been a while since we've all been together, so I'm grateful to get back to some kind of normalcy and continue from where we left off. As you can tell by the reading this morning, we're going to be looking at Peter's instructions to husbands in terms of how to function in our roles within marriage. Now, last time we looked at this, we saw Peter's instruction to wives, and it took him six verses to give women instruction. This week, he writes instruction to husbands and only takes one verse. Some of you might be thinking, well, that doesn't seem fair. Six verses to a wife and only one to a husband. Well, don't worry about that, because when you see what Peter has to say to us, you'll be amply satisfied if you're a wife when you hear what he has written to us. It only takes one verse to get through to us from Peter's point of view. So let's uh, dive in, and the first thing I want you to notice in verse 7 is that Peter highlights two key words in terms of helping us honor the Lord in the way we're to relate to our wives. And you can circle these if you like. Uh, he says, live with your wives in an understanding way, so to be understanding. And he also says that we're to show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. So the two words that are key for us here are understanding and honor. Now, the word understanding in the Greek language really is the same word for knowledge, for knowledge. But it's knowledge of a particular kind. So in this context, then, it would be knowledge of one's wife that could benefit the relationship, right? So it's a, it's a way of man gaining knowledge in terms of what makes her tick, what her likes are, what her dislikes are, what makes her feel loved, unloved what our dreams are, what our goals are, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, and so on and so forth. And if we live with our wives in this type of way, we, are, we live with her in an understanding way. The word honor in Greek is really the pricing of something, usually related to monetary value. 
Um, but, this, but when you think of the pricing of something, this also carries the idea of value. And it's the estimation of one's worth. So a wife is to be seen by her, or her husband is to see her wife in a way that carries this idea of extreme estimation and extreme value to him. Now the reason why Peter instructs husbands to live this way in these two particular areas is because his assumption by default is that we're pretty much clueless in how to do this. We don't understand that we're to live with them in an understanding way and we're, we don't understand that they're looking for honor. We, we have to treat them in a way that shows that they're worth something. And so Peter says, you guys need help. You need help. And I think there are two main reasons for why we need help in this area. And it's the same two reasons for which I gave in my sermon to the wives in terms of their instruction to respect their husbands. The first one is simply this, is that men are pre-wired from the fall out of the womb to be a bunch of dum-dums when it comes to relating to a wife in, God, in a God-honoring way. I want to show you this verse here in Genesis 3.16. To the woman, he said, this is the curse, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, and pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. This same word for rule is used of Joseph in terms of being over the land of Egypt, where he has a position of authority, and he's governing, or has a position of leadership over the land. So we are to, we are to be the governors or the rulers within the family, and that is God's design. The problem is, is that we often do this in a poor way. We seem to take two extremes. We either become very aggressive and we become demanding and like dictators in the home, or we're completely passive and we just let the wife run the show and we're happy to let her do so. But we have a hard time as men finding the middle ground that God desires in terms of how to rule the home and to be the authority that he gave us. The second reason that we're not uh, very good at this is that we're not trained by our parents to do so. I asked the women, uh, I asked the women to raise their hand if their mothers had trained them in the ways of the Lord in terms of uh, respect, right? And you remember what the, the, the show of hands was. If I were to ask the same question to men, how much time did your dad invest in you, and, and, and even your mom for that matter, but primarily your father, invest in you and raising you how to, 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 to live with your wives in an understanding and honoring way, I'm guessing the hands wouldn't go up in this church. Now this is important for all of us who have young men, young boys growing up, because now we see what our, what our major responsibilities is as fathers raising our young children. But if you don't understand what honoring is and understanding is now at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, there's no way you're going to pass that down to your children. And so we need to be trained by Peter how to do that. So let's first take a look at what Peter really means by living with her in an understanding way. As mentioned earlier, uh, it's really the same word for knowledge. So it's knowledge of a particular kind that helps us function well within our marital relationships. The problem is that while we understand the principle, Peter gives, gives us no examples of what this looks like. He just says, live with an understanding way, period. But there's no examples there. So we have, we're left to figure out then from other places in Scripture, what does it mean to live with her in this way? I would suggest that the first clue is given right within our text. It says here that you're to live with her as someone who's a weaker vessel. Someone who's a weaker vessel. Now before we um, get too far into this, this verse is often taken wrongly by women and they get very, um, can potentially get very... Uh, 
sort of up in arms over this word. What do you mean I'm a weaker vessel, right? Especially in our cultural context. But let me just say what it's not when he describes this. He's not saying that you as a wife are intrinsically weaker in character. He's not saying you're intrinsically weaker in intellect. In fact, Proverbs 19.14 says, Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a wise wife is from the Lord. So this is not about wisdom, it's not about your brain power, it's not about your intellect or your character. Nor does it mean spiritual inferiority in any shape, way or shape or form. Another substantiation in the text is that he says, you're, treat her with honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. A fellow heir, not you're superior to her, you're equal in God's eyes. So this is really important here. So then what does it mean if it's not spiritual, if it's not character, if it's not wisdom? Well, the Greek word actually used in context is often in relationship to physical size and strength. A no-brainer. Uh, women, uh, husbands live with her in that way because she's physically weaker than you and you're more dominant. Now I realize that's always the case. She might be married to an Olympic athlete who's a, or a German shot putter or something like that. But uh, typically that's not the case. And we already know when you watch sports that men's records and men's results are often superior to females because of the strength difference. So Peter recognizes that there's a way because of our physical size that we might use this to our advantage in the way we treat our women and, and sort of be more dominating and domineering. However, even though this is true, I would suggest that weaker has more to do with other things than just being physically weaker. I would suggest that what Peter is referring to here is not just the weakness of women compared to men in the physical stature, but emotionally. Emotionally. Now let me clarify that statement. <laughs> I'm not saying that wives lack anything emotionally. In fact, women are quite superior to men in terms of how in, in tune they are to their feelings. But this is rather that a woman's emotions play a more significant role in her life in terms of how life works. So women's emotions play more of a significant role in her day-to-day -day, uh, living than a man's does. And I was actually grateful because as I was thinking about this, I found in one of my commentaries by Wayne Grudem, he actually su suggested this as another option outside of physical weakness. But the reality is, is that if you think about this, women typically are more easily hurt when conflict occurs within marriage. And I know experience shouldn't trump scripture, but listen, in my experience over 10 years of counseling couples, my, the pattern that I've seen is that women tend to be way more hurt over the relational dysfunctions within marriage than the men do. I mean, I've seen women shed a lot of tears over relationships in marriage, and I virtually see men hardly ever share, share, shed a tear at all. And if they do, it's quickly overcome. And that's not a sign that they're superior emotionally, it's just mean that, again, their emotions just don't take as much of an effect, and we manifest ours, our issues in different ways than that. So when you put this all together then, this is why Peter tells husbands to live with wives in an understanding way, because a husband tends to be more physically prominent than his wife, and generally less emotionally sensitive. So therefore, it's quite easy for him to take advantage of those differences in the relationship and to crush his wife's spirit. So what Peter's saying this is, you might be the head of your wife, men, but in no way are you to misuse the authority that God has given you. You're not to be a dictator. You're not to be insensitive. Quite the opposite. You're to be one who seeks to understand her. So how do we practically do this? 
How do we practically do this? First thing you need to be careful of, men, is how you speak to your wives. How you talk to her. Turn with me to Colossians 3.19. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Just to help you find it. Three nineteen of Colossians. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. All right. That word embittered means harsh. Some of your translations might say, do not be harsh with them. I don't know if anyone has that in their translation. Abilene does. Okay. So the word is, don't be harsh with them. The word embittered or harsh means really to grow in anger. Now, there's a reason why this is written to husbands and not wives, because this is often a man's issue. Because we lack emotional sensitivities, what we do is we tend to stomp on our wives' emotions instead of of coming across gently. And we often even downplay their emotional states. Have you ever used these lines with your wife? I don't know why you're so sensitive over this issue, just get over it. Or... It's not that big of a deal. I mean, if I were you, I would just do this. And so on and so forth. Right? When the woman comes to us with like emotional sensitivities, we often just basically think, why can't you overcome this? And we talk in these ways. But it's not just in what we say, it's how we say it. Right? It's our tone more, just, more than just our, our choice of words. We are often short. We're often abrasive. And it's often enough that makes our wives want to retreat. You've probably been in those situations where you're having a discussion and you come on hard and come on harsh and strong and then she just backs off and just says, forget it, I can't deal with this. But here's the thing, gentlemen. She is not like you and I. We need to listen to her and consider her feelings at face value, especially when it's true when we argue and resolve conflict. And I want to share a few illustrations from my marriage with you to just show you how I've had to work these things through with Janice. And I'm going to give you only one example of something I did well in our marriage, and the rest are going to be failures. So I'll start off with a failure of mine that happened a few years ago. Uh, I don't exactly remember when this happened in our marriage. It would have been maybe about five years ago or four years ago. And uh, Janice said this to me one time. We were having an argument or a heated discussion over something, And she says, that's exactly, Andrew, why I don't like talking about you with these things, because I can never win. And I go, what do you mean you can never win? And she says, well, I hate discussing or arguing anything anything with you, because I feel like every time I say something, you have an answer that trumps mine. And not only that, like you're faster on your feet, like you're quick with the wit and you're quick with comments. And so when I get in discussions, I, I don't think the way you do and, you're, and you're, I'm slower in those kind of comebacks. And so I just can't hold a candle to you when it comes to arguments. You make everything I feel sound like illogical and stupid. Well, when I thought about it, I actually knew that she was right. She'd revealed to me, she was training me that actually was my tendency and that was a training moment for me. It was a major training moment for me because it was something that I, I hadn't really been consciously aware of, but I recognized that she was right, and it's something I've been working on ever since. 
Have I been perfect in it ever since? No. But the Holy Spirit now, through her teaching of my life, is able to say to me, Andrew, stop and be sensitive. Do not be harsh in the way you deal with your wife. So let me ask you a question, gentlemen. Husbands, what would your wife say to me if I asked her what you're like to argue with and resolve conflict with? What would she say to me? What I hear, he never backs down. He'll argue till he's blue in the face. He makes me feel stupid, like my points don't matter. He always makes me feel like I'm illogical in my reasoning and all sorts of things. Would, you, would I hear that from your wives? Here's the thing, gentlemen. You might win the argument from your point of view, but you will lose the relationship. You'll be right in your own eyes, but you'll be wrong in the relationship. Because you'll, your wife will, you won't draw her, she, your wife won't walk away going, man, I'm so grateful he told me how illogical I was. I can't wait to go out on a date tonight with him so we can have a great time together. She walks away hurt. And here's the thing, we know from Scripture, you are one flesh. So any decision you make in terms of how you treat her hurts yourself. Because if you destroy her, you destroy the relationship, and it affects you in the way you function with her. Another one. So we be careful of how we walk. Sorry, how we talk. You need to also be careful in how we walk. Turn with me to Ephesians 5:22. Ephesians 5.22 Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present himself to church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Now this is a mouthful, but let me give you some points from this. Do you notice the parallel here between the comparison of Christ's relationship to the church and husbands to the wives? Right? He makes a comparison. For the husband is the head of the wife, in verse 23, just as Christ is the head of the church. So there's a comparison. And the next comparison is in verse 25. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So just as Christ is the head of the church, we are to be the head of our wives. And what is that? Giving our, in the area of giving ourselves up for our wives. It's the area of self-sacrifice. Now how did he exactly do this? Well, obviously he was willing to weigh down, Jesus was willing to lay down his life for the church, for you and I. But really what he did was this. He put his own interests aside and took on the interests of us so that we would benefit. He laid his own interests aside, his own physical safety, his own emotional needs, he laid it all aside in order that we would benefit. It didn't matter what was fair, he just cared about the self-sacrificial part. And since Christ is our model, that's exactly what we're called to do. We are to seek to meet the needs of our wives, fulfill her desires, Help her achieve her goals and make your, her preferences your priority. 
But not just once, men. Not once. Once a week, once a month, once a year, once ever. As a pattern in your life. A pattern. Look at the pattern from verse 26. He says, So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, that he may present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle, but that she would be holy and blameless. Here's the thing. Christ's decision to lay down his life was not just to offer you and I forgiveness and leave us. It was a continued investment. If he's going to present the church to himself holy and blameless in the end times, that means he's working with us from the day of salvation right to the day that we die and enter into glory. He cares about our daily walk with him and he's working to make us holy, to make us holy and to change, our, to change the way we live. So there's a key for us here, um, husbands, is that Jesus' decision to lay down his life posit positively impacted our life spiritually, so, so too are our decisions to impact our wives in a positive way as well. And as a result of our invested love, she thrives. She thrives. We thrive from Christ's investment in us and, and our, His concern for our well-being. We are to do the same for us. Same to do for her, I should say. So what are examples of this? How, how in the world do we invest in her that we take her interests above our own? How do we do this? Well, let me ask you these questions. Financially, financially and money in your home. Who, make, who decides in the budget? Is it you? Or does she have a huge say in it? If she does have a say in it, how much say does she have? Equal amounts? Or is it like 60-40, 80-20, 90 If I looked at your bank statement, how much money goes to fueling your interests and fulfilling your desires versus hers? Would I see Darcy Ranch Golf, Darcy Ranch Golf, Crystal Shores Golf, and then I look at this $10 little coffee that she went up with her friends to Starbucks? Or maybe she paid six bucks to go, like, you know, to the arena with the kids for skating or something like that. How much of the budget, if I looked at your bank statement, would I see an equal share? or even more so, given to her, or would I see it all to you as the husband? How does it, what does it look like when she buys something compared to you? Okay, so when you go out to something, you just go out and buy it. And then you go to her and say, hey honey, guess what? I just purchased this today, and then you just start explaining to her. Whereas when she buys something, it's like a drill sergeant. Why did you buy that? Where did you get the money for that? Why did you think, don't you know that we have to think about this and think about that and so on and so forth? Does your wife have free reign to make decisions in the finances in terms of buying things that she's like, just like you? Or do you have to drill her to find out why every, where every penny goes? Who takes holidays in your family? Vacations? Leisure time? What you do in date nights? What, who dictates what movies you watch? What restaurants you go to? What radio station you listen to in the car? What technology you do or don't use in the home? Who makes all those decisions? One of the key components in modeling ourselves after Christ is this, that we protect her from any potential pain that would come her way. We protect her from any potential pain that would come her way. This is exactly what uh, Christ did for us. In verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do you understand what he did there? God's wrath was going to fall on your life. Do you understand that? 
His wrath was going to fall on your life. If you died today and you weren't reconciled to Jesus, through Jesus Christ, God's judgment would fall on your life. Jesus says, I can't let that happen. I don't want to let that happen. I love you too much. This ain't going to happen. So what does he do? He says, I'm going to get in the way of any emotional, physical pain you're going to face in the judgment, and I'm going to take it on my back. And if we're going to pattern ourselves after Jesus Christ, man, we have to be able to get in the way of any potential pain that comes our wife's way. Those of you who know Dan Jansen, he words it this way, be willing to get in harm's way for our wives. Now, if I were to ask you, would you do that for her physically? I am pretty sure none of you would have a problem with that. You'd probably think, well, of course I'd take a bullet for my wife or I'd jump in front of a car for my wife. We'd love to be a hero in that way and have our name in the Western Wheel for what we did there. But would you do it in emotional areas? See, that's what our lives are looking for. I don't think she really cares so much if you do it for her physically as compared to would you do it for her emotionally. When potential areas of emotional hurt comes upon your wife, are you willing to step in and bear the brunt of it on her behalf? Here's some examples. Will you make those dreaded phone calls she doesn't want to do? What I mean is uh, a bill comes in and it's her cell phone bill or it's, her, it's on her Visa card or whatever and there's been a discrepancy. And so she starts telling you about, oh, like about this and how she, she you can tell emotionally she's stressed about this. And so you think, oh, okay, well, good luck, honey. Make, you know, let me know how it goes. Versus, let me take that for you, honey, and I'll make that phone call on your behalf. Things like that. How about dealing with family issues? You know, um, I've heard Dan say this, talk about mother-in-laws, you know, like when, when mother-in-laws maybe try to get involved in the family and you're having stress as the, as the wife with your new in-laws that you inherited. And the husband goes, man, yeah, I know what it's like to live with my mother. Like, man, good luck with that. Versus going, I got, let me deal with this, honey. I'll phone my mother right now, and I'll put an end to this right now. Things like that, man. Are you willing to do that? Your kid has an issue at school or in a sports program, and an issue with a coach or a teacher, and your wife tells you all about it because you don't know about it, but she happens to know about it. And you think, oh man, good luck when you go into that uh, office and have a conversation with that teacher. Versus, don't worry, babe, I'll take care of that. I'll go down to the school and do that for you. Let me tell you about my only success in my sermon I'm going to share with you. And um, this happened September long weekend, 2018, so about three weeks ago. Most of you went camping to Little Bow, had your trailers and stuff. Janice and I decided to go up Saturday night or, or Saturday morning and spend the whole day there and not stay overnight. Um, Callie and Darcy offered to take um, uh, our boys overnight in the camper and uh, we'd come back on Sunday and pick them up. So when we went there, uh, the boys had a fantastic time and so much so that I really wanted them to spend more than Saturday there, I wanted to have a whole day Sunday as well. Problem was, Janice's parents had invited us over a turkey dinner. But it wasn't just any turkey dinner. Uh, Janice's sister had, and her, hus her husband-to-be had won this turkey in some kind of raffle, and so it was this giant, like, massive thing that Mr. Bean wears in his head, if you've ever seen the Christmas edition, that kind of turkey. And so the, the family's having this massive Christmas dinner, like in September long weekend, and everyone's going. And we originally had told our parents we were going because our intention was we're going to go pick up the boys on Saturday, Sunday afternoon and I will bring them back and we'll all go for dinner. But when I saw how much fun the boys were having, I thought I would hate to peel them out of there for this turkey dinner. 
So uh, we decided, Janice and I decided that I would go to the, get the boys on Sunday and I would stay there with, with the kids. Sunday morning comes, this is all decided on Saturday. Sunday morning comes around and I can tell Janice is super stressed. And I can't understand what's going on, of course, because I'm a man, understanding, live with her in an understanding way. And I said, Janice, like, you seem like something's wrong. And she says, I'm really stressed. And I go, what's going on? She goes, and she told me about four relationships within the family unit she was trying to appease because of us not coming to the turkey dinner. So there were, and not only that, just the feelings of people at the camp, like we took Jackson back. So we're, we're worrying about the people at the camp and their feelings, we're worrying about Dustin and Amanda, which is the one who provided the turkey. But most of all, we're worried about the parents because the parents are the ones that have gone to all the work to prepare the dinner, we're not gonna show up. So me, being the brilliant guy I am, I, have, I come up with a solution for her because it's Sunday morning, I'm going to Pine Ridge to preach at Dan's church um, uh, for that combined service. So here's my solution. Honey, I have an idea for you. Why don't when you, you go early, oh, I know what, sorry, sorry, I'm so confusing here. Her biggest issue was this, dad and mom might guilt trip me and, and, and basically like make some comments about why we're not there. And she didn't want to have to bear the brunt of the fact that, so to explain to the family that why the Dexter, my husband and the two boys have, or three boys haven't shown up. So that's her biggest concern, just made, made feel guilty and everyone, everyone's there except us. And how would this look upon her? So uh, my idea was, why don't you go in early, talk to your dad and tell him why we're not there and explain the whole situation so that it, it de-escalates de anything that may have come over the dinner table. So that's my idea. So I'm getting in the car, driving to church, and I'd already been preparing for this sermon. And I'm like, what a loser I am. I just did the exact opposite of what I'm going to teach the church to do. My idea was, honey, I feel bad for you balancing these relationships. Why don't you go and talk to your dad to solve this early? And I got on the phone. I didn't tell her. I got on the phone on the way to church, and I phoned Wayne, her dad. And I said, Wayne, we're not coming today. And I explained everything to him. And his answer was, oh, no problem, Andrew. I totally understand. Right? Didn't tell Janice. And then I just texted her, uh, texted her uh, what I did. Like, just like, your, your dad's okay with you not, me, us not coming. He understands. And I got two emojis back. One was a heart, and one was a blowing heart kiss thing. Okay? Here's the point. Like, would it have been all right for her to go and do that on her own? Sure. Would it de-escalate the situation? Yeah. But that's not living with my wife in an understanding way. She's emotionally stressed in the home. And I'm not willing to get in harm's way because why? My, I don't like conflict. I don't like it. So I don't want to have to tell her dad in case he backfires at me. But that's not the point. That's not the point. That's, you, that's not living with her in the right way. Man, you have to jump in. You can't leave your spouse high and dry. You have to be looking out for opportunities to protect her emotionally. That is your life mission as a husband. Habitually. Not once in a while. That means for you, it's a lot of listening. And a lot of asking questions and reading the situations. Christ did this for us. We need to do this for her. So this is what it means then to live with her in an understanding way. So how do we honor her? Well, like, like I mentioned earlier, the word honor is to, in Greek is to have great worth or value. It's the same word used in 1 Peter 1.7 describing how one's faith is of great value or in Revelation 4.11 of the worth of Jesus Christ. As husbands then, we are to treat our wives in a way that, that she comes to know and learn that she is of incredible and precious value to us. 
Now this can come in the form of words. We can highlight the things about her that we appreciate. But if that is all you do, you do not understand how to honor your wives. Once again, you have to demonstrate to her through action that she's important to you. Words mean nothing in the big picture. Your actions mean everything. Here's two illustrations or two ways in which you demonstrate her to her that you're, she's of value to you through your actions. You demonstrate to her that she preoccupies your mind even when she's not around. You show her that you have a preoccupation, you're thinking about her constantly even when she's not around you. Let me give you some illustrations of what this would look like. These are text messages telling her or asking her how her day is going. That's telling her that you are at work and you're not there with her but you're still thinking about her. You mentioned that you're looking forward to seeing her on a regular basis as through phone calls or text messages. You leave notes before you head to work. You let her know in advance uh, about some plans you have in terms of going on dates or trips you have, uh, ideas you have for the family. You uh, surprise her with gifts that, you, that she knows she would like. Again, if she's into like coffee from certain places or flowers, then buy them for her. However, here's the thing then. When it comes to the gifts, it's not the gift itself that she's appreciative of. It's the demonstration that she's on your mind that she cares about. It's not the gift itself, I don't think, for women that's the issue. It's more that, wow, he actually thought of me when I wasn't there. And the gifts have to show that she's of tremendous value and importance. How do we do that? We, we meet her likes. Not what you like, what she likes. Let me tell you of one of my epic fails with how I tried to do this for Denise, but it backfired. Partly because of, well, not partly, fully because of my lack of understanding. This occurred when we were first married 10 years ago. Denise had been speaking about wanting clothes. Uh, for her, because she was school teaching at the time, and she wanted some new outfits. But I knew that Janice uh, wouldn't go and spend the money on herself, so what I did was, her, one of her co-workers, um, what, what a friend of hers, was a, and she's a real fashionista, she wears Louis Vuitton everything, and everything she has is like super expensive, and yeah, she's like, I don't know who Louis Vuitton is, but apparently it's worth something. Um, but she's basically this fashionista, and everyone knows that, that you know, she's the, she's the jack daddy when it comes to like, that kind of thing. So I thought, you know what, I'll get a hold of her friend, I'll just, her name is Sabrina. So I was like, Sabrina, like, uh, to get a hold of a friend of her and have her take her out, take Janice out on a surprise shopping trip. Because Janice will love that. So I called Sabrina and I said, listen, I got this idea, Janice needs some new clothes, uh, I know she likes you as a friend and I know you have great style and I know that you love shopping, so why don't I arrange this trip? So they go out, so, so what I did was we arranged to meet at Cora's and on 130th in Calgary. But I wasn't going to tell Janice that I was doing this. So I told Janice, we're going for breakfast, hon. So we go for breakfast and lo and behold, Sabrina's there. And so we join her for breakfast. And so we, we, we she just still doesn't know this is planned. And at the very end of the, the breakfast, I say, by the way, uh, Denise, uh, this is a surprise for you. You're going shopping with Sabrina. And I gave Sabrina like 500 bucks cash. So, you know, just to, so that'd be easy for Janice to like feel free to spend money. So Sabrina's totally pumped and Janice like, whatever. I just thought she would be totally excited about this because it was an attempt to honor her. But you know what? 
when she, I picked her up about six or seven hours later at Earl's. I met her at, for maybe it was about eight hours later. I think we dropped her off around 10 and showed up around six or seven at night at Earl's. Janice was totally rattled. She was rattled. Emotionally, she was done. And I was like, what in the world is going on here? Well, here's what I failed to realize and understand about her then that I know now. Okay? Three things. One, Janice is a thinker and she's a planner. Last-minute decisions and quick rushed uh, opportunities make her stressed out. Any women in here relate to that in any way? This, this was a freak, freaky thing for her to be able to have to decide store to store. I'm buying that, I'm buying that, I'm buying that. She hated that kind of that, that freak decision. She's indecisive by nature, and I was forcing her to be decisive even with her friend. Second, she hates being the center of attention. So when she's out with her friend, who, and Sabrina's a good-looking fashionista, uh, and uh, she's known for that, everyone knows what she's like in terms of her, uh, her, her attributes. <laughs> she loves being the center of attention. Janice doesn't like it, and so she's with this girl who, who thrives on this, and people are noticing her, and Janice is just totally uncomfortable. Third, gifts are not her way of feeling honored. Quality time is. So when we get down and we sit down at Earl's, I say, honey, you seem rattled. What's the matter? She says, thanks for everything you tried to do for me today. I really appreciate it. But all I wanted was to spend time with you. All I had, she goes, I would have rather that you and I just went to Cora's for breakfast and came home. You believe? I would have saved 500 bucks if I'd known that <laughs> 10 years ago. Just kidding, I'm just, I don't care about the money. But you get the point. I would never now, 10 years later, do anything that would surprise her and fluster her in those ways or do that with her because I know it would freak her out. So here's me trying to honor her, but it failed. No, ultimately she still felt honored because she could see the, the effort on my part. So she still did appreciate the gesture, but she ultimately knew that it was a failure from my point of view. But this is what it is, men, to honor and to understand your wives. If you're having troubles right now relating to your spouse because you keep, to seem, you keep seem to choosing the wrong venues or buying the wrong things or doing things wrong, this is why you haven't come to the place of understanding yet that you need to come to. If you want help, uh, Janice and I will sit down with you and talk to you about our, some of our other areas. But hopefully... But talk to your spouse. She'll tell you why you're, you're, you're a big dum-dum in these areas many times. That's my new word for the week, dum-dum. There's no Greek word for that. Just... Here's another second way of showing honor to her. You demonstrate her, to her that she is more important to you in comparison to other things you love. You demonstrate to her she is more important to you in comparison to other things you love. Here's an example. Through the years, you've demonstrated that you love, say, certain sporting events, or you love certain bands, or, or like music, musical interests, or different hobbies. Let's just use golf, because I know golf's fairly popular in, in golf and whatnot. So let's say you're known for loving golf, and your wife knows that you love golf, and she knows that's your primary interest. So it happens to be a Saturday morning, and there's nothing planned in the family. It's a leisurely morning. And your buddy phones and says, uh, Hey, uh, I'll just use Jordan because I know he likes golf. Hey, Jordan, uh, this is Andrew. You want to go play golf this morning? 
And he's like, well, that sounds like a pretty good idea. We don't really have anything planned this morning, so yeah, why not? And meanwhile, Rochelle can hear this conversation going on in the background. Here's the thing, if Jordan says this to me, Andrew, you know what, I appreciate the offer, can I take a rain check? Because I've actually got something I'd like to do with my wife this morning and Kieran. That would go miles with Rochelle. Go miles, why? Because he, she knows he loves this thing and he knows that that's his primary interest and in his hobby and fills him up. But when there was an opportunity for him to choose her over that thing, he chose her. And she feels completely honored and valued in that decision. Another example, I'll use me as an example in this one. My favorite band comes to town and me and Janice like completely opposite music. So my favorite band comes to town, I find out they're playing somewhere in Calgary. And it happens to be the same week and the same evening as a new movie release that my wife has been talking about for two months. It's the new Star Wars coming out. It's a new Star Wars coming out. It's has to come out on Friday night, the same night as my favorite band comes into town. We've been talking about this Star Wars movie for a while, and I just throw on the table, um, she finds out that I know about this band that com is coming on Friday night. And I have an opportunity to go, and she and, she, and I say to her, hun, I know how important this movie is to you and uh, I would much rather be with you and have that opportunity than go to this band. I will see them again one day somewhere else. There's no way my wife wouldn't feel valued in that moment. This is it. This is what it is meant to honor your wife. These are just two of many examples, but they're two very strong examples in areas that we fail to do over and over again. Turn back with me to 1 Peter if you're in Ephesians. And I'll conclude with this. If we fail to do this, it comes with a severe warning to us. Look at the very last line of verse 7. Men, honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. If we don't treat our wives in an understanding and honoring way, your prayers stop reaching heaven. Stop reaching heaven. Those, you tuck your little boys in at night, your little girls, and you're praying to God about how you uh, want to bless them for this and protect them for that, and God's like, got a problem. You and your wife aren't good at home right now. Uh, I hear you, but I'm not, I'm not answering you. The way we treat our wives directly impacts the way God relates to you as a husband. Now when I was studying this, I was thinking, Peter, why don't you give me some further insight into what this actually looks like? Like, how much does God let go before this occurs, before he stops listening to us? Well, then I thought about it. I'm sure glad he didn't give us the examples and tell us what the limit was for him. You know why? Because our tendency as men is we take advantage of God's grace and make a law out of it. Right? 
let's say you knew the three things that you'd have to do. You know what you do and I do? Well, I'll do that one, I'll do that one, I'll do that one. Okay, I'll stop being mean now because I know this is the moment where God's going to cut me off. <laughs> That's the way we function. That's why the law can never save us. It has to be through grace and through faith. Well, the law is a tutor to make you, to lead you to Christ. Peter can't tell us what that limit is for God because you and I would turn that into a law. And we play games with that and manipulate that in the way we treat our spouses. Here's the thing, here's what Peter's saying, and here's what I'm saying to you. You treat her well all the time, you have nothing to worry about. You have nothing to worry about. Just treat her in an understanding way and honor her. You don't have to worry about your prayer life. You see, there's a high responsibility given to us as husbands. And this makes sense because he gave us the authority in the home. But with the authority comes responsibility, and with authority comes accountability. So don't miss this, Ben. How, treat, how you treat your wife impacts how close you walk with the Lord. Let me leave you with three lessons. First one is this. For husbands to live with their wives in an understanding way, they must take their wives' interests above their own and be willing to get in the way of any pain she may face. It's a long lesson, but it's a powerful lesson. The essence, men, of our headship is to be self-sacrifice. There's no place for selfishness as the authority in the home. You and I are to be servants. We're to take our interests above our own, and we have to be willing to look for opportunities to protect her from not only physical, but any emotional hardship she might face. I can return to these lessons in the dialogue. I'll, I'll move on. Second lesson, for husbands to honor their wives, they must demonstrate not only by their words, but especially through their actions, that, they are, that their wives are of great value to them. There's a typo there. You're to demonstrate, especially through actions, that your wife is of great value to you. You know, show her that you're preoccupied with her in your thoughts and, your and then by the time and energy you put in. Show her by the way you, with where she stands in comparison to the things you like, that she's of value to you. Again, you can use words all day long, but your actions are everything in this category. I'll return to that one as well. Finally, a husband's prayer life will, not be, will be of no use to him if he does not treat his wife the way God desires. husband's prayer life will be of no use to him if he does not treat his wife the way God desires. Again, I'm glad Peter didn't give the limits to when we're cut off in that terms of that uh, understanding between us and God. Because we play games with God in that way. I think the lesson for us is just seek to honor the Lord in your role and let the chips fall where they may from there on in. You'll have nothing to worry about. Well, I know, see, one verse lot to think about. Imagine if you wrote a six, how long this would take to go through. <laughs> so let's have a time of discussion though, and I'd be curious for your input and some thoughts on this uh, subject.